Hey again, really good to be with you. Uh, welcome to week two of this series, The Helper, and I just want to dive right in and go for it this morning. Last week, we kind of opened the box, and we began to allow ourselves to get acquainted with this person that Jesus promised us as a help to following him, this person that he called the helper, his Holy Spirit. As Jesus was getting ready and approaching his own death and then his resurrection and then exiting the earth to go back to heaven, he began to prep his followers for that by saying really, like really crazy things, like it's better for you that I go away because if I go back to heaven, I can send you my helper. I can send you my Holy Spirit who can live in you. And then we, we began just to, to discover a little bit together how that Holy Spirit is described, the personality of this person of the Holy Spirit, the characteristics. And, and we talked about this reality that the Holy Spirit in us is greater than anything we would see or come up against in the world. Anything that feels like it pushes in on us, threatens to crush us, knocks us back, anything that confuses us or would try and deceive us, any sickness, any brokenness, any fraction, any dissension, the Holy Spirit is greater than any of that, any addiction, any bondage, any stuckness, any dryness. The Holy Spirit is greater than any of that, and, and he is this spirit of power or dynamic ability, this dynamic supernatural ability residing in us, helping us live life with Jesus. This spirit who is love, both the, the supernatural ability to receive love and to give it, and this, the supernatural ability to, to think with a sound mind, with self-discipline, with, with clarity and with understanding. The spirit who, who is things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, all things that we wish the globe all the way around had a little more of right now. All things that most of us would say, I'd, I'd actually take some more of those things. And we left with this question that really is a question Jesus puts in front of us when it comes to life with his helper, the Holy Spirit. We, we left with this question of, um, hey, at the end of the day, do we really want those things? Do we really want that person, that person of the Holy Spirit? And here's how Jesus, Jesus actually used a statement to leave us with the question. And this is what he said. We're going to just read for a second from John chapter 7 in the New Testament of the Bible. It'll be up on the screen for you. Here's what Jesus said to some people who are listening in on him. He said, let anyone who is thirsty, let anyone who's who's broken, not back, disillusioned, confused, hurt, abused, abandoned, left behind, stuck in a vice and a grip and an addiction. Let anybody who's thirsty, let anybody who's been trying on religion and checking all the boxes but not really finding anything to quench their thirst, let anybody who's thirsty, let that person come to me and just drink really freely. Like with, with, without cost, just really freely. Let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me or would, who would put their life in my hands, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water, rivers of living, flowing, purifying, cleaning, power-generating water 
would flow, and then this is the kicker, right, would flow within them. Within them. Not to them, but from within them. Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty, you come to me, and I'm going to give you someone who would actually be streams of living water flowing from within you. They would then be originating from within you. You wouldn't have to wait for them. You would have them. Streams of living water flowing from within them. And by this, he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this helper, whom those who believed in him would later receive after Jesus has been crucified, come back from the dead, and gone back to heaven. And we just left with this question, are we thirsty? Like, would we really want a life that could spring from the inside of us? Would we really want, would we really want Holy Spirit-empowered love and joy and patience and peace and gentleness and kindness? Would we really want Holy Spirit-shaped desires? Would we really want a supernatural, dynamic power and ability to love and to think and to understand our times and to make a difference? Would we really like Spirit-empowered transformation in our own life? Would we really thirst for his satisfaction. That's really the question Jesus is leaving us with. See, here's what, I, here's what I know. I know that much like it was first hour, I know the next handful of minutes we spend together uh, will completely revolutionize. And I, I don't say this lightly, and if you're around here a lot, I don't make this kind of a sweeping statement that often, but I know the next few minutes we spend together, for some of you, will absolutely revolutionize your life from this moment forward. It won't be just like a building block principle we add to our list, which we often do, and it's really helpful. But when we encounter this question of would we actually thirst for that, are we actually thirsty for that, are we tired of empty kind of religious regimen? Are we tired of checking boxes? Are we trying, tired of trying to figure it out on our own? Are we tr- tired of trying to follow Jesus but knowing there should have been more vibrancy than this? Are we tired of looking at other people and saying, wait, why do they have a whole different fire and vibrancy with Jesus? I want that. I'm not even envious or jealous. I just want that. That's what's inside this question of would we be thirsty? And when we are thirsty, what we do is we surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit. We surrender. We talk about surrendering all the time around here because it always marks our moves with God. Is this surrendering. We're always responding to something he's initiated every time. Would we surrender to this person of the Holy Spirit? who Jesus says would be rivers of living, moving water in us, in us, within us, living within us. The Holy Spirit of God himself living within you, in you. Would we thirsty? And if we're thirsty, would we surrender? Would we lean in and say, yes. Now that's neat in theory, right? Cool theory, cool theological theory. That's neat, John, sounds good. How does that even actually work? Like, what are we actually talking about here? Well, there's a few movements within it. Let's just discover them together a little bit this morning. Here's the first, that when we surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he is our seal. 
When we surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is our seal. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we receive his forgiveness and his grace, and we say, look, you take up the lead seat, you be the leader and Lord of my life, Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit as a seal. We, we see it in, in places uh, like Ephesians chapter 1, which a guy named Paul wrote. Paul wrote a whole bunch, about a third of the New Testament of the Bible. And this is what he wrote to a group of people who are a lot like us, learning to follow Jesus. And this is what, this is what Paul wrote. He said, in him, in Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, God, who works out everything. See, we're all predestined to have every possible chance to respond to Jesus. All of us were created to be in relationship with God, and so we're all predestined to have every chance possible to respond to that, to respond to his invitation. And he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Everything God is doing is working towards helping us be in relationship with him. That was his original design. Paul goes on to keep unpacking this. He says, in order that we, who are some of the first people to put our hope or our trust in Jesus Christ, so that we might actually be for the praise of his glory. Listen to me. There is a selfish motive to coming to Jesus for salvation. A guy named Peter actually wrote about it and said, the goal of your faith is the salvation of your soul. There is a selfish motive in it. But the overarching aim of God is to rescue us for our good, but his glory, his credit, his fame, his recognition. Part of the reason Jesus often seems stale to us is we came to him for our need only and never came to the realization that he actually rescued us for our need, but for his fame. And Paul's like, look, it's for the praise of his glory. It's for his credit. He goes on to to write this. He keeps playing this out. And he says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you became a follower of Jesus, you surrendered your life and leadership to him. You're included in this. And then he says, then he plays it out for us. He says, this is really good stuff. He says, when you believed, when you put, not when you had a mental thing that God is real, but when you put your life in his hands, you were marked in him with a, what? what's the next word? You were marked in him with a? The promised Holy Spirit. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We'll come back to it. This is how Paul finishes this thought. This is so important to the rest. Who is a deposit? The Holy Spirit's a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance, our inheritance. Let's just leave this there for a second. How many of y'all, just show of hands, how many of y'all wish you could get a big old inheritance one day? Put them up. Put them up. Put, put, just keep them up for a second. Yep. Okay. How many of you are pretty convinced that ain't going to happen? Right? <laughs> yeah. You want, now, let's have, a, let's have a real honest question. How many of you parents in the room, doesn't matter how much you got, you're not leaving your kids a dime? <laughs> never mind, never mind. Uh, I didn't mean to start anything there. We have counselors listed on our website. No intention of family fractions or anything. Right? Inheritance, right, is something we receive, right? Somebody else has accumulated something and we receive it. God has all things good for us. He's like, I've got an inheritance for you. I don't know about you, but it's easy to hear the word inheritance in light of God and think, wait a minute, that's about heaven. How cool is heaven? How cool is this idea of reality of uninterrupted connection and intimacy and placement with God. That's great. What a great inheritance. You're marked with a seal for an inheritance in heaven. But hold on a second. Paul says you're going to get a guarantee of the inheritance until, wait a minute, you're going to get an inheritance until something else happens. I'm going to give you this inheritance until something else happens, until the redemption of those who are God's possession. 
to the praise of his glory. What Paul's getting at here is this reality that I'm going to give you an inheritance. And listen, your inheritance is heaven, but it's heaven on this earth. I'm going to give you heaven-like quality and experiences on this earth while we're all waiting for the redemption of God's chosen possession, his people. While we're all waiting for this everlasting heaven, I'm going to give you heaven right now. The Holy Spirit is a deposit in you, a seal on your heart, saying the gift and the experience of heaven, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and righteousness and restoration and healing, that's available right now. Paul's talking about heaven on the earth. Let's have a moment of honesty. You may know people or you may be a person who's followed Jesus for a really long time. In your experience with following Jesus, you want it to be heaven on earth, but you would never describe it that way. You'd describe it more as, I'm just holding out. I'm just trying to, could God just come back? Could we just go to heaven? You describe it more as, man, I know God loves me, but this place is a train wreck, man. My life is miserable. This world is miserable. I just want to get out of here. That's not what, that's not what Paul's talking about. It's not what Paul said the promise was. And it's honestly not what Jesus prayed. When Jesus said, hey, why, Father, why don't you have your kingdom come? Why don't you have your will be done on the earth just like it is in heaven? See, Paul's pointing this idea that Jesus wants to give us a helper, the Holy Spirit, so that we could actually experience this, this heaven on the earth now. And yet when we're super honest, I, I just wonder if what makes the heart of Jesus ache as much as anything else is people who are followers of his, who trust in his grace and forgiveness, but have somehow been convinced, somehow been convinced It's just for survival. It's just to mark me for something in the future. There's no potential power right now. There's no potential healing right now. There's no potential supernatural strength right now. There's no potential supernatural vision right now. I'm just hanging on. Paul says, no, man, you got an inheritance, and the inheritance is right now. It's later, but it's right now, too. But here's the, here's the challenge. I don't know about you, but I start to think, yeah, but Paul, you said it was a seal. Like Jesus said, rivers of living water within me, and you said a seal. And Paul's writing in the first century when, when the most important letters traveled with a seal, right? There's this stamp of, hey, it came from, from Caesar. It came from this governor. It came from this leader. It's marked with this seal, so you know it's authentic. And where's the seal? The seal's on the outside, Right, the seal's on the outside of the letter and kind of seals it up. And if that seal is broken, somebody's messed with the letter, right? Paul's using that, that kind of vocabulary. So wait a second, that doesn't really match what Jesus seemed to be saying. Here's the reality. You and I, when we, we give our lives to Jesus, we experience his grace and forgiveness, we say yes to him. 
We are marked in that moment by this seal. It's instantaneous. But that is the beginning. That's the beginning. See, what begins to happen then is as we begin to find ourselves set in the middle of this opportunity to then, much like we surrender to Jesus, would we surrender to, to his spirit? There is this, this second move, second work, whatever you want to label it. And we, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, he fills us. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit, he, he fills us. Now we're getting to from the inside out and we're getting to streams of living water within us. He fills us. We're going to look at a couple of passages uh, from an account called Acts in the New Testament of the Bible. It's the Acts of the first followers of Jesus, the Acts of the Holy Spirit in and through them. And we're going to read words like um, baptized, filled, received, came upon, and all of those mean this idea of immersed. They're all immersed. When he, baptized means immersed, fully submerged, fully in, right? It's, it's saturated. It's dunked all the way. Received, it's this full immersion, right? If you're, the Greek word is baptismo, baptismo. If you're going somewhere to, for lunch and you get chicken nuggets and you want to dunk it, you can say baptismo. Give, let me baptismo the nugget, right? Okay, it's full immersion. It's all the way in, right? You see, uh, my family and I, we, we like to go to the ocean every summer. We've got this little spot. We like to get there. It's really, very kind of healing and restorative to us, and uh, we, we love it. Uh, and there are multiple ways you can experience the ocean. Uh, my preferred way of experiencing the ocean uh, is to see the ocean, and it is to walk, you know, on the beach, and it is to walk ankle deep in the ocean. That, that's my way of experiencing the ocean. I want to walk along it, but I want to walk north and south along that east and west coast. I, want to, right? I just want to walk, just kind of, I want to get my ankles deep. Anybody else? That's your thing. That's the, yeah, if you're going to walk, that's the kind of the thing, right? That, that's my preference, okay? Some of my family, in particular my daughter Mackenzie, that, that's not satisfactory for Ken's. Ken's wants to be all the way in the ocean. And from about age four or five, that's been Kenzie's thing. You didn't really go to the ocean unless you got all the way in the ocean. She wants to be immersed, baptized, submerged in the ocean. She wants to dive into waves, ride waves, time waves, float on waves. When Ken's comes out, her hair is kind of like salty and sandy at the same time. Her skin has that salty coat and there's sand everywhere in bathing. You know that whole thing? Like Ken's wants to go all in. I want to just get ankle deep. The only time I'm going all the way in is if I want want to score dad points. That's it. But there are two very, very different ways to experience the ocean. And here's the thing. Kenzie surrenders to what's going to happen there. Kenzie can't make a wave. She can't make them come faster. She can't make them be smaller or bigger. She can't determine at what angle they're going to come on any given day. She can't change the tide. And when the tide comes in and when the tide goes out. But she can dive in. She can allow herself to be baptized in those waves that keep rushing in. And that's like this difference in the Holy Spirit. We receive this seal. And you, if you gave your life to Jesus and you're a follower of him, you have received this seal of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to heaven and that's great. But you will probably never fully experience the traits of heaven on the earth. That, and we find these encounters when we, 
when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we experience this baptism, this, this filling. Let's read about just a, a couple of them. We'll, we'll put them on the screen for you. The first one is in the, the, the book of Acts or the letter of Acts. Again, it's written just to kind of have some play-by-play account of what was happening in the, in the, with the early followers of Jesus. So Acts chapter 8, verse 14 When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, which is a new place for the message of Jesus to get to, the message of Jesus is starting to spread around the world. Side note, it's spreading because of persecution. It's spreading because things were hard, not because they were easy. Okay, it's moving. The followers of Jesus are moving. The word's moving with them. And they heard that Samaria accepted the word of God or the story and the person of Jesus. And when they heard that, they sent Peter and John to Samaria because they want to help these people get some traction in this new relationship with Jesus. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait a second. Didn't they already have the Holy Spirit if they'd given their lives to Jesus as the seal? Yep, they had. So Peter and John, they're praying for more. They're praying for this new experience with the Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, baptized them. He had marked them, the seal, but not come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received, they were baptized in this person of the Holy Spirit. There's this move, there's their, their willingness to say, oh yeah, we want this person. We are thirsty to have help in living this thing out with Jesus. You can jump ahead a little bit if you want to turn in your Bible. We're going to jump ahead to Acts 19. And there's just a different group of people, some similarities and some differences. This is what it said. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, the guy who wrote Ephesians we read from earlier, he took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus, these very people he wrote a letter to later. There he found some disciples. There he found some disciples. There he found some what? What are they? What are they? Disciples. disciples. They're followers of Jesus. They're already following Okay, they're already giving their lives to Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive this baptism? Paul knows he wrote it. Paul's the guy who wrote about a seal. He knows they received the Holy Spirit as a seal. The first question is, hey, as disciples, like how are things going at your church? What kind of songs are you singing? You like them? They make you feel good? How's your kids ministry at your like local synagogue thing going? Hey, what you read this week? Hey, like how's your, how's your yearly Bible reading plan going? Doesn't ask him any of that. The first question, hey, so glad you've just accepted Jesus. I got a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? (laughs) They answered, "Uh, nope, we didn't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. Nobody's ever told us about the Holy Spirit. See, Paul knows they have the Holy Spirit as a seal, but he knows they have no awareness of what the helper really wants to do and be for them. And so he asks the question, listen, and I, I just know, I know, I know in a room with this many people in it, lots of us have had a lot of awareness about Jesus and not much awareness about the helper he is giving, that he's trying to help us with. So Paul asked, and what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, of a change of direction of your life. He told people to believe in the one that was coming after him, and that was Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They're publicly baptized in water to identify with Jesus. But then Paul placed his hands in them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. Here's a couple of things that are happening. We've got to see a couple of things. Number one is simply this. People were responding to Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit as a seal, with no awareness yet of who the Holy Spirit really could be and how he wanted to settle in and baptize their life. 
And so Peter and John and then Paul, they're telling them about it, right? There's this, there's this, second, this second move. They're, they're saved. They're going to heaven. They've got Jesus. They're forgiven. But Peter and John and Paul, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I want you to experience how, I want you to live with a supernatural power on the earth. So I want you to know this person, the Holy Spirit, this helper. Now, here's the second thing. Um, those passages reach a little bit different. And some of you, uh, you noticed that we, there was a word in one of those passages. Uh, it's, it's the word tongues, which feels like a weird word, right? And th- real quickly here, tongues is simply a supernatural ability to speak in a language that is not naturally your own in that public setting that they're talking about. Somebody would have interpreted that to, to, to kind of enrich and edify the group of people who are around it. Okay, that's just, it's, it's, a, it's a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you heard the other passage, and you're like, it's not in the other passage. I don't want anything to do that. And so here's what we got. Some of you, you sprinted to one of two camps in your mind. Some of you are like, yeah, dude, read a passage with tongues. Go ahead, John. Get everybody in this room. See, come on, John. This is the time I've been waiting for, okay? Some of you, you're so excited you can barely hold it. You just can't contain it right now. Okay? There's others of you who you ran to the other side of the spectrum, and you're quietly whispering to the person that, weird okay it's clearly this is not safe okay that that stuff that is not we're not that is not the real thing okay it's like, so we got these two sides right that just kind of happened in the moment okay can i just say something about both sides of that they're both missing the point they're both missing the point can i say my own personal experience i've been shamed by both of those camps I personally have been shamed by both of those camps and what people think and what they assume. Okay, They're missing the point. There are very real gifts the Holy Spirit brings, supernatural ability to do things we cannot do naturally. Some of you are naturally really good at some things, and those are God-given things you are good at. And if you surrender yourself and are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will do those things you are good at at unbelievable levels. You've barely tapped the surface. There are supernatural Holy Spirit gifts of things like leadership and hospitality and intercession and teaching and evangelism and generosity. They're supernatural Holy Spirit gifts that allow us and compel us to do things in a supernatural strength that far outweighs anything naturally we would do. Those are gifts the Holy Spirit brings, but listen, they are not the point. And when we run to the edges of either one of those, we are missing the point. So you say, well, well John, so what is the point? I'm, so gl- I'm really glad you asked. I want to tell you, okay? Um, that way back, if we went way back in the book of Acts to the beginning, uh, Peter, who at one point was the most vocal denier of Jesus when, he, when Jesus was in his most difficult time, One thing changes in Peter's life. There's a resurrection and there's a filling. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when Peter receives this baptism of the Holy Spirit, he has a supernatural strength to stand up and preach the first message post-Jesus' resurrection to a group of people. And he tells them about Jesus' life and what he did and miracles he did. He tells about his death and who killed him and what he paid for on a cross. He talks about his resurrection and people are compelled by it. Not because it's Peter, but because it's Peter full of the spirit, right? People are compelled by it. And they're like, please tell us what we have to do to get to this Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, 38, 39, this is Peter's answer. I love it. He says, Peter replied, repent. 
Turn from your selfish life. Turn from trying to do this thing on your own. Turn from denying Jesus and be baptized in Jesus. He's talking there about water baptism, publicly identifying with Jesus. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many gifts? It's an easy one. It's just one. Okay. One. Just one. One gift. Look. Listen. The Holy Spirit is the gift. We receive the Holy Spirit, and then he brings all of his gifts of his personality and his supernatural abilities, and we let him give what he wants to who he wants, when he wants, for his glory, his fame, his credit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. In fact, Paul later wrote to a group of people and he's like, look, you guys are all bent about these gifts. And the problem is you're expressing a bunch of gifts and you don't have love. And if you got a bunch of gifts and you don't have love, then maybe you need to go back to the beginning. Because the point isn't the gift. The point is the Holy Spirit of God himself. Jesus said the helper, he would give us a gift, the helper who would be rivers of living water in us. Jesus didn't say the gifts are going to be, he said the helper, the helper will bring his gifts. The helper will bring his gifts. But there's this second piece. And here, here's what I, here's what I'm just, here's what I want to just say. Listen, some of us, we, we get to this point and when we think about receiving the Holy Spirit, surrendering the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leading, and like, ah, uh, because we've been freaked out about how we process things like the gifts of the Spirit, and we actually miss the person of the Spirit. And what Jesus, I want to give you a helper, and the helper will help you understand what gifts you need to know about when and how to use. The helper will help. Don't try and go get a gift and use it as a way to get to God somehow. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, which today some of you are going to do for the first time, you're going to be like, I've been following Jesus for a week or for 50 years. I've never just let the Holy Spirit just immerse me and let, let him lead and have influence. But when we do that, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we ask with our faith in Jesus. We do not ask with our faith in some certain experience or expression. We ask with our faith in Jesus, just like we ask for forgiveness and grace. It's by faith in Jesus and what he's done and who he is. We don't ask with faith in our perfect and magical words. We ask with our faith in Jesus. Another way to say it is we are not chasing a feeling or an experience. We're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. We're not chasing a feeling or experience. Listen, we've talked about this a lot. Feelings are fickle, gang, huh? Those things come and go like the wind. Some of you change feelings more often than you eat. I mean, it's crazy, right? You can't count on those things. The Spirit says, look, no, just take me. I'm the, I'm, I am the helper. And so even today, some of you, you'll just say, I surrender to the Holy Spirit. I surrender to the Holy Spirit. I want to be in the ocean, man. I'm done just walking along with my feet barely touching the water. I'm done knowing I have heaven and hoping somehow it could just come faster. I want to walk in other things. And when we surrender to him, he fills us. And when we keep surrendering, he keeps filling us. He keeps filling us. This same guy, Paul, that we talked about a couple times, he finished a little bit later in the letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. And what you and I have is chapter five. This is what he said. He talked about it a little bit. He said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Check it out. 2,000 years ago, they thought the world was pretty broken. (laughs) 
And it was. You don't have to freak out. Is our world kind of broken? Yep. Is there a lot of tough stuff? Yep. There was 2,000 years ago too. And Paul's trying to say, look, we got to help her in that. We got to help her in that brokenness. He goes on to say this. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't lose your minds here, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery and brokenness and all kinds of other things. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Just leave that there for a second. Here's what Paul's saying. Look, here's what Paul's saying. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. And it's an example. He means it. Don't get drunk on wine. Do you know why he says it? God never said, don't get drunk on wine so he could ruin all your fun. What he said is, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us in every single moment of our life is under the influence of something. What Paul's saying is, let it be the Spirit. Please let it be the Spirit. Please let it be the helper. Please let it be the one that Jesus said would be rivers. And when we get drunk on wine, we're under the influence of alcohol. When, when, when we get drunk on a person, we're under the influence of the person. When we get drunk on money, we're under the influence of the money. When we get drunk on reputation, we're under the influence of the reputation. Fill in the blank. What Paul's saying is, look, no, 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 man. Let's be under the influence of the Spirit who can help us understand the day, who can help us make the most of our time. And Paul says, be filled. He uses a verbiage, some verbiage there that we lose in English. It'll be, keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. Just keep on living in a way where we're surrendering to the Holy Spirit, where we're just, we're just periodically saying, some of you'd be every day, some of you are real daily people. Some of you'd be periodically just say, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just, I want you to know again, I'm so available to you. I don't want to be under the influence of anything else. I, I want to be available to you. There are two ways for us to experience the person of the Holy Spirit. One is to keep our just kind of selves ankle deep. And Jesus still loves and forgiveness still counts. You still go to heaven, got a seal. But when Jesus talks about rivers of living water and when he talks about giving us a helper that would live within us, can I just tell you, that is not what he had in mind. He said, no, man, I, want, I want my heaven to reside in your, the depths of your soul. And some of you today, maybe you'd say, man, look, I, I want that. I, I want to live with a supernatural ability to love when it's really hard. I want to live with a supernatural ability to actually receive love, regardless of how I feel about myself. I want to live. I want to live with a supernatural ability to forgive when it feels like the last thing I want to do. I want to live with a supernatural ability that makes it almost impossible to offend me. I want to live with a supernatural ability to have hope about my life and about the future and about people around me. I want to live with a supernatural vision and dream for my life. I want to live with a supernatural ability to experience the healing work of God in the most desolate or trauma-stricken areas of my life. I want to live with a supernatural ability to stare down my anxiety and my depression and my discouragement and say, you are not my boss. I want to live with a supernatural ability to experience joy when nothing's working and nothing's going my way. I want to live with a supernatural ability to be a part of how God chooses to restore and reconcile relationships. 
I want to live with a supernatural ability to understand the scriptures that were inspired by the Spirit that wants to help us understand them. I want to live with a supernatural ability to partner with God and the, the, the changing of some of my very core desires and longings. I want to live with a supernatural ability to understand the times in which I live. I want to live with a supernatural ability to understand what I'm doing with the resources that God has entrusted to me, the abilities and skills he's placed within me. I want to live with a supernatural ability to make a difference in the lives of people around me. That's, that's part of, it's <laughs> a scratch and surface, of jumping into the ocean of the Holy Spirit, of allowing ourselves to, to be immersed in Him, to just surrendering to Him and saying, Holy Spirit, the, the only thing that this hinges on is I'm just available to you. I'm just available to you. So the question for us really, I think the question Jesus would ask us and has been asking us since the beginning of time really is, would we allow ourselves to be immersed in the Holy Spirit today? Today, right now, in this moment, would we allow ourselves to be immersed in the Holy Spirit? I'm not asking you if you want forgiveness of your sins. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to get right. But Jesus, you, a lot of you are. You've been following Jesus. I'm asking, would you, would you say yes to this, the full expression of this helper that Jesus is offering? Let me tell you what's going to happen. If you say yes, I just can tell you right now, nothing weird's going to happen. In this environment, God's always about our unity. Okay? So nothing, nothing weird's going to happen. And you may or may not feel something. Remember, our faith is in Jesus. It's not an experience. But I know that some of you, you literally are going to experience love like you never have before. You're going to experience an assurance of the goodness with which God sees you like you never have before. Some of you, some of you will experience his healing the moment you surrender to him. Some of you will experience peace and the calmness, the settledness of your soul that you've read about, you've chased, you've wished you could have, you've hoped for. Who knows? But the gift is the spirit and then we, we trust him to express himself in us in the way that he knows is best for us in the moment. So would you allow yourself today to be immersed in the Spirit? Would you spy your heads and close your eyes and here's all we're going to do. I'm not going to ask you to go anywhere. I'm not going to ask you to make any overly significant move here. But I just wonder if all across the room, regardless of what your response is going to be all across the room, if you just maybe put your hands out in front of you. It's a posture we use a lot here. Just put your hands out in front of you in receiving mode. And would you just be open to, I will surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit. I will allow myself to be immersed and baptized in the person of the Holy Spirit. I will allow him to move from a seal that stamps the outside of my heart and marks me for Jesus in heaven to being a river of living water within me. And I'm going to lead us in a little bit of a prayer, but I just want you to know that I don't have a magic prayer for this. I don't have perfect words. All you got to do is let the cry of your heart be, yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit. 
Here I am, Holy Spirit. I surrender to you. Yes. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your helper. I mean, that's it. So Jesus, thanks for your great desire. Thanks for the depth and the, thanks for the intensity of your love. That you would be so concerned about us, you'd have so much belief and hope in us that you would want to give us a helper that could literally fill us, that our lives could, could be just saturated with this person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness, your generosity. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being so eager. And yet at the same time, thank you for all of your patience with us while while we tried to get to an understanding or while we didn't quite have opportunities to understand. But I thank you that you meet us here in this moment. And and while I don't think, Holy Spirit, this is the only moment we, we could say yes to you, I do think this is a uniquely holy moment for many of us. And so we just say yes to you. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, we surrender to you. We are available to you. Would you please fill us? Would you please fill us? And Holy Spirit, I do. I thank you for right now, people who are in a seat, just literally experiencing a depth and an expression of your love they never had before. I thank you for how peace is settling over people. I thank you, Jesus, for even right now, how through your gift of the helper, the Holy Spirit, you're giving understanding, you're, you're giving your revelation and your insight into life scenarios. You're opening eyes to, to just help us see how you see us and we're thankful for all of that. You're so welcome here. You're so welcome in our lives. You're so welcome among us, and we are grateful. We pray these things, Jesus, with our faith in you, not what we did or didn't feel or what we wished we would or wouldn't have felt. We put our faith, it is in you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, again, we just receive you as the gift. You are the person that is the gift to us. Thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name.